Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America, and we've got a whole lot of craziness for you today. Let's start with crazy martini number one, Jim. And that is how the Democrats treated the Attorney General of the United States, primarily on Wednesday, but also a little bit today. Yesterday, as we mentioned, Bill Barr testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Democrats looking to score some points in his handling and alleged protection of uh, Donald Trump with respect to the Mueller report. Here's just a a few different clips. First of all, a couple from uh, Kamala Harris. And she's first of all upset that he just took Bob Mueller's conclusions as a fact, that he didn't dig through the mountain of evidence that uh, was gathered over two years. Did you personally review all of the underlying evidence? Uh, no, we took and accepted. We accepted did Mr. Rosenstein. No, we accepted the statements in the report as the factual record. We did not go underneath it to see whether or not they were accurate. We accepted it as accurate. So you accepted the report as the evidence? Yes. You did not question or look at the underlying evidence that supports the conclusions in the report? No. And, Jim, I don't know if you can remember all this way back to when Democrats insisted that Rod Rosenstein was the last person defending the American people from sheer tyranny from President Trump. But now that Rod Rosenstein has agreed with Bill Barr about uh, no charges here, all of a sudden Kamala Harris is appalled that Rosenstein was part of the decision-making process, too. Earlier today, in response to Senator Graham, you said, quote, that you consulted with Rosenstein constantly, unquote with respect to the special counsel's investigation and report. But Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein is also a key witness in the firing of FBI Director Comey. Did you consult with the, I'm not finished. Did you consult with DOJ ethics officials before you enlisted Rod Rosenstein to participate in a charging decision for an investigation, the subject of which he is also a witness? And the answer to that was yes. Uh, Maisie Hirono's just throwing mud. The American people know that you are no different from Rudy Giuliani or Kellyanne Conway or any of the other people who sacrificed their once decent reputation for the grifter and liar who sits in the Oval Office. We know more about your deep involvement in trying to cover up for Donald Trump. Being Attorney General of the United States is a sacred trust. You have betrayed that trust. America deserves better. You should resign. And finally, this morning, uh, due to disagreements over the format on the House side of the Judiciary Committee, uh, Bill Barr did not appear. And here's Stephen Cohen of Tennessee literally holding a toy chicken while he says this. Chicken Barr should have shown up today and answered questions. He was afraid of Barry Burke. He was afraid of Norm Eisen. A t- attorney general who is picked for his legal acumen and his abilities would not be fearful of any other attorneys questioning him for 30 minutes. This man was picked to be Roy Cohn and to be Donald Trump's fixer. The Black Sox look clean compared to this team. It's a sad day in America. Roy Cohn was Joe McCarthy's attorney. Uh, Jim, what do you make of all this? Uh, Lots to unpack there, Greg. The first being, um, so the question is basically, you're telling me you didn't go through all of the underlying evidence that Mueller reviewed in putting together his report. No, because that's Mueller's job. (laughs) He's the special counsel. I'm the attorney general. And you know what? I don't have to go through every piece of underlying evidence because he put together this nifty 300-some page report 
saying what he found. So I don't need to go through and double check all of his work. What exactly you know, was, she, was she waiting for there? Um, the flipping on, on Rosenstein is, is very predictable. Um, the other thing is the, the argument from uh, Colonel Sanders or whatever, uh, uh, you know, uh, Congressman Cohen. So the idea there, as he's eating Kentucky Fried Chicken up there uh, during the committee hearing, is that somehow uh, Attorney General Barr is terrified of the House Judiciary Committee, but he's perfectly fine with the Senate Judiciary Committee where he sat in front of them for like, was like four hours, five hours, six hours yesterday. Kind of laughable. Uh, my general take on this, Greg, based on, you know, I, I summarized this in the morning, Joel, it's like, look, everything Barr did seems on the up and up and straight enough for me. The idea that, oh, the letter completely misconstrued it. Well, here's the whole report. You know, we can go through it. We can decide for ourselves what we think of it. The argument, I haven't seen anybody argue that anything that's been redacted has been improperly redacted or, or anything like that. They gave the reasoning for it in regards to grand jury testimony. Um, Mueller had a and his staff had a chance to weigh through and decide what was going to be redacted. Uh, the Gerald Nadlers of the world can go and look at the a version that is not redacted if they want to. They have not chosen to participate in that sort of thing. This feels like an effort to manufacture an issue. But look, Democrats, if you think this is such a slam dunk, if you think this is so clear that Barr has acted improperly, that he has violated the law, that he has violated all kinds of ethical standards, then go ahead and try to impeach him. And the same thing applies for the president. You guys think this is so cut and dried? Go right ahead. Good luck. Go for it, guys. Stop telling me what you think, what you're going to do, and just rip off the Band-Aid and do it. My sneaking suspicion is it won't turn out for you as well as you hope, but you know what? At one point, either do your business or get off the pot, guys. Yeah, and so I was just thinking about this yesterday. I think, obviously, two things are at work here from the Democrats. One is they're trying to convince maybe themselves still, but also the American people, that this really was uh, a condemning report from from Bob Mueller that uh, ultimately will build to impeachment. And secondly, uh, Bill Barr was dropping more hints yesterday about the investigation into the investigation. And I think discrediting Bill Barr is a high priority for them right now. Apparently, as of while we are having this conversation, uh, Nancy Pelosi is saying that Barr has committed a crime. He lied to Congress. If anybody else did that, it would be considered a crime. Nobody is above the law, either the president, not the president of the United States, and not then impeach him. Let's get the, let, let's do this. Let's rumble. Let's have this get done. Because as it is now, you have this. This is very serious. This is absolutely illegal. This is absolutely a violation of the law. But we're not going to impeach him. Yeah, that might play badly in the next election. So, you know, <laughs> we're just going to pound the table and sound very upset about it, but we're not willing to actually take any political risks to deal with this. Uh, what we're telling you is a very serious crime. Jim, we could talk about the next election, but instead we're going to keep talking about the last one as we enter into our second crazy martini, because Rachel Maddow had Hillary Clinton on her MSNBC show on Wednesday evening. Hillary, of course, very disappointed in Bill Barr. Uh, she said that uh, Bob Mueller was confused and about what his mandate was here. And so that's why he didn't get into whether votes were actually changed by the Russians, because she still clearly thinks they were. Three clips here from Hillary Clinton, starting with this. What I learned is that the Russians were successful. I don't think there's any way to read that report and not conclude they accomplished what they set out to do. They had an objective to sow discord and divisiveness within our society at large and to help uh, Donald Trump, and they succeeded. She got more specific. I'll tell you, Rachel, I've met with 
most of the candidates mm -hmm. uh, who are running this time and answer their questions. And I always tell them, you know, you can run the best campaign. You can be the person who gets the nomination. But unless we know how to protect our election from what happened before and what could happen again because there's greater sophistication about it, you could lose. Still not done. I don't mean it to scare anybody, but I do want every candidate to understand that this remains a threat. That they could lose at the hands of a foreign power, not yes. that they could lose fair and square. That's right. That it wasn't on the level. It wasn't on the level in 2016. It could be, once again, not on the level because we have never really understood as much as we need to. And I think the Mueller report didn't go there. That wasn't what they thought their charge was. Jim, Barack Obama, Jay Johnson, the former DHS secretary. I don't know anyone who's been in a position of authority who suggested that any votes were changed, yet she just can't admit she lost. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a follow-up from Rachel Maddow towards Hillary Clinton, and I knew we were never going to get it. So where do you think Mueller dropped the ball, Secretary Clinton? And why? Do you think Russia got to him too? <laughs> you know, like... Like why? If he look, he was given a pretty wide charter. Investigate Russian meddling, and what Clinton's clearly alluding to in that last comment there is that something happened that went beyond what we heard about on Facebook and Twitter and, and social media. Uh, that there was more than the hacking of Podesta and the DNC emails. That there was something else, and that something else she certainly is you know implying, although not quite coming out outright stating. Alteration of the voting results, hacking the vote. So this endless phrase, Russia hacked the election, which they, you know, most people meant with a wink and a nudge. Oh, we just mean that they tried to put, you know, disinformation and propaganda out there. But the way they're phrasing it very clearly leaves you with the impression that Trump did not actually get more votes than Hillary did in all these key states, that Russia had somehow did it. And if you there was some poll not that long ago that showed that roughly half of Democrats believe that Russia altered the vote totals in the final results of the election. Now, you want to talk about, you know, spreading di division and undermining faith in democracy? This does it. Okay? <laughs> and while you're at it, Secretary Clinton, t speak to Stacey Abrams, right? This idea that, oh, 50,000 votes just happened to magically appear because somebody was doing something wrong. You know, this is the sort of thing that undermines democracy, not just this, you know, because here's the thing, and I I'm going to have a big presentation on this in the not too distant future. Um, look, if you've looked at what the Russians were putting up on Facebook, Stuff like photoshops of Hillary Clinton in a boxing ring or mixed martial arts ring with Jesus. And it said, you know, don't let Satan win. Now, Greg, you and I have made fun of Hillary Clinton a lot of times. But she's not the devil. And I'm fairly certain, despite all the troubles with her emails, all the scandals going back to Whitewater, I'm fairly certain she's never challenged Jesus to a boxing ring. Got a mean right hook. You don't want to do that, Secretary. Uh, so, like, you know, this this was it was such the, the ones the the images of of uh, photo uh, the cartoons of Bernie Sanders as a bodybuilder. I mean, this was like kind of like uh, nonsensical efforts at American political propaganda. It was silly. It was over the top. Um, in my mind, you look at that, you can tell this is someone who's not doesn't really understand American political culture. It's like somebody trying to imitate it and not getting it quite right, i.e. perhaps people whose English was, English was not their first language. So, again, is this a good thing? No. Should Facebook shut this stuff down when it finds it? Yes. 
Um, but is this something that altered the election? I don't think so at all. I, I, I'd love to see the evidence or somebody saying this actually changed. Again, because all this stuff was marketed through Facebook advertising, it went to people who already self-identified on Facebook as very conservative. Hillary Clinton was not going to win a lot of votes amongst very conservative Facebook users. So this whole idea is based on this, you know, you know, a conjecture and, and nonsense and all that stuff. So, um, look, I, I think the simplest explanation here is that Hillary Clinton cannot deal with the fact that she lost, the fact that she lost to such a supremely unorthodox candidate, <laughs> and the idea that Russia hacked the election, and the fact that the election results that we've all been told were not right, and that somewhere in there, in some sort of computer file, are, are you know, are, are actual voting results that show that she's won. This is what she has to accept as an article of faith to psychologically deal with the consequences of 2016. I still go back to that comment where she says, you can run a great campaign and still not yeah. win. How would she know? Good radio. Good point. I mean, let, let's let's talk to the uh, Hillary offices in Wisconsin. See how great the campaign was. All right, let's move on to our final crazy martini now. And compared to the first two, this one probably well, no, this is really crazy too. Joe Biden, <laughs> the front runner for the Democrats, twenty twenty. Obviously, still very early, but uh, his rollout has vaulted him uh, very much ahead of the rest of this increasingly crowded field. Now up to 21, I believe, with Senator Bennett of Colorado officially announcing he's in today. Uh, Joe Biden giving a speech, I believe this is yesterday, on Wednesday, uh, where he was saying that China, nah, they're not much of a threat. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the the, the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a competition for us. Jim, this has been going on since certainly the Clinton administration and, and really even earlier than that with uh, China's aggressive economic and, and, and military ambitions. We know what they're doing with uh, creating islands in the South China Sea. We know that they want to compete with us and exceed us uh, economically. We know how they're manipulating currency. So the idea that China's not uh, at least a rival and a fierce competitor is absurd. Yeah, I mean, three observations here. In today's morning jolt, this was my lead item and I let out all the different ways that everyone from the FBI to the Pentagon, uh, you, know, you don't have to be some crazed right-wing partisan to believe that China is a massive competitor to the United States. Arguably, uh, I would use the term our preeminent geopolitical foe, but you know, Romney you know, <laughs> nailed Russia on that uh, quite a, a couple, you know, on Obama a couple of years ago. By the way, Mitt Romney, one of the people who tweeted yesterday, this is not going to look wise a few years down the road. Uh, and when, when Mitt, if there's anything we've learned from recent years, Greg, it's that when Mitt Romney tells you to be wary about a particular foreign country, don't scoff and say that he's involved in some sort of Cold War nostalgia. Um, but two other things jump out about that. The first is, look, we, we make a lot of jokes about Joe Biden, but that, that didn't sound like Joe Biden at his best. Um, the, the stammering, the mountains in the east, mountains in the west. I suppose someone could listen to our podcast every day greg and say jim who are you to make fun of somebody else for stammering or sounding incoherent but um biden is not sounding at his sharpest and most mentally alert uh and most coherent that that was a really bad moment for him on the trail maybe he's he's still rusty maybe he's got to get back into the rhythm of giving a speech every couple hours at a couple of different places uh but the campaign trail can be exhausting that did not sound like him at his best the second thing is if he really believes this if this is not just a one-off 
And he really wants to make the argument that Americans are too concerned about China, that we are too worried about them as a competitor. Um, look, you, know, you and I have talked about you know, Donald Trump's got a lot of flaws, but if you want to argue about one arguably long overdue uh, reassessment he has made in American foreign policy, it is a much more wary approach to China. And there for a long time, there was kind of this broad bipartisan attitude of, look, you know, China does a lot of things we don't like, going all the way back to Tiananmen Square. And before then, they've always been bad on human rights. They've always been aggressive towards, ta- towards Taiwan. But we do a lot of trade with them. They want to do business with us. They're not communists the way they used to be. We can work this stuff out. And year by year, decade by decade, as their expansion of their military forces, the construction of the sites in the Spratly Islands, uh, the, the you know threats towards Taiwan, the expansion of economic power and leverage, their attempt to, you know, uh, ports and, and naval bases around the world, the expansion of their military, their research into advanced military technologies, space, genetic engineering. Folks, there's a lot going on in China right now. And a, almost all of it is designed to expand their power. And they very much see us as a rival that needs to be taken down. At least one peg, if not completely uh, sidelined on the world stage. So, you know, if, if this is the terms Biden wants to fight the next election on, if you're the Trump administration, you, you take this every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So this is a hugely winning issue for Trump if Biden really wants to go down this race. Now, my suspicion is somebody will go to Biden and say, sir, you, you can't be running as the pro-China candidate in this year's election. Uh, you, will, you, you might not even make it out of the primaries at that rate. Um, so kind of fascinating, almost a little bit frightening. Uh, Greg, what it reminded me of was in 76, where Gerald Ford said that there was no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. Uh, Ford's argument, I guess, was that the Soviets had not yet dominated the spirit of the Eastern Europeans, but um, politically, militarily, and by most measures, Soviet Union had indeed dominated Eastern Europe. Uh, and that had been kind of resolved since the uh, early days of the Cold War. Not a good moment for him. And uh, you're right. Joe Biden looks pretty fuzzy around the edges right now. And uh, whether it's rust or whether it's the fact that he's getting up there, We'll find out as the as the campaign goes on. But he does not look as vigorous, certainly, as, as Trump and even as Bernie, who's actually a little bit older than him. So mm. we'll find out. Jim, crazy day. We'll see what the uh, day holds tomorrow. See you then. Thank God it's Friday, Greg, right? <laughs> Almost. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to tune in again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.